This episode brought to you by Audible, your audio book source with over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And today you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash sports. So don't wait. That's audibletrial.com slash sports for your free audiobook and 30-day free trial. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Taking sports to another level. Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Exploring the latest headlines and going behind the scenes with in-depth interviews. Hearing personal stories and the impact of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. What time is it? This is episode 31. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. We're now into October, and that means we're starting to learn some things about who the true contenders are in college football, how the NFL is shaping up, the Major League Baseball playoffs are starting, And don't look now, but here comes basketball. College basketball practice has started and the NBA preseason is upon us. So it's a special time of the year for me because, again, I am a college basketball guy. But it's still October. So that means we have to talk college football. And this episode, we get to do just that with someone that might know a thing or two about not only college football, but he seems to have a certain knowledge and wisdom about life. And that's our guest, Dabo Sweeney, head coach of the Clemson Tigers football team. So no need to waste any time, but for any new listeners, you can find out more information about the podcast on our website, richtakeonsports.com, and there you'll also find previous episodes. And to stay connected, follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Let's now move to the Rich Spotlight. Shining brightly to share the stories of people in sports. This is the Rich Spotlight. Our guest Dabo Sweeney needs no introduction as he's coming off the 2016 college football season, leading the Clemson Tigers to their second national title with a thrilling 35-31 victory over his alma mater, the University of Alabama. Coach Sweeney was named the full-time head coach at Clemson in December of 2008. In addition to the national championship, he's led the Tigers to three ACC championships, was runner-up in the 2015 national championship game, and also won a national championship as a player in 1992 as a wide receiver for Alabama under legendary head coach Gene Stallings. And after winning the national championship in 2016 to now starting 2017, at 5-0, and his story is almost something out of the movies. And so one of the first things that I had to ask him was that, are there days that he looks in the mirror and has to ask himself, is this real? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think that uh, every single day, I mean, it's just, you know, when I pull up here and, and I usually will talk to God in the car, pray, pray on the way to work and you know, it's just, and all you got to do is turn the TV on and just see all the, the craziness that's going on in the world. And, you know, and I've had, I've had my share of craziness in my life, but, um, you know, it's just a, it's a blessing. It really is. And I, and I, I appreciate each day 
I appreciate uh, just good health. I appreciate uh, my kids' health, my wife's health, uh, the opportunity to come and be around young people every day and, and to be able to use my experiences to hopefully help. Um, and I still love to compete. So, I mean, it's, a, it's just been a, an incredible journey, uh, you know, really for 47 years, but, but certainly uh, this past year was, was pretty special. Uh, but, you know, you, you take the good with the bad, you try to enjoy the, the, the peaks of life and, and stay humble, and, uh, and you, you grit your teeth and grind and, and, and not get too low when you're in those valleys uh, because as people we're going to have both as we go through life but um, I'm, I'm very blessed to have such good folks around me every single day and uh, thankful to the good Lord. Now so speaking of that journey and you know your competitiveness so walk us through just your earliest memories of how you became competitive why you gravitated towards <laughs> sports and just your uh, first memories of sports itself. Yeah well I'm the baby of three boys first of all and uh, grew up in Alabama so you know I think um, just it, it, from the moment I can remember as far back I mean i I was competing, you know, uh, loved ball from birth. I mean, I was always had a ball in my hand, always played everything. As soon as I could play t-ball, I was playing flag football, basketball. I never stopped. And then, you know, as the baby of three boys, I had one brother that was 17 months older and another one that was five years older. And so I was always around older kids, always. And I was always, um, you know, just in the game. You know, I mean, it was a pickup football game, pickup basketball game, backyard baseball. And then for me, you know, back in those days, you grew up, we didn't have, I mean, we had three channels on TV at my house and we didn't have video games. You didn't have, any, have anything. They certainly didn't have cell phones. You had a phone hanging on the wall with a cord and you'd dial it. Uh, so you were, you got out of the house constantly. And so I grew up in, and I'm very thankful for the time that I grew up in because that's all I did from day one was to go compete. And then usually I was with older kids, so I was always having to prove it. I was always having to, you know, play up. I was always having to, to uh, kind of prove that I belonged with that group. Uh, so now, did your brothers embrace bringing you along with most, this or did most, they fight it? Most of the time they did because I was a good athlete. You know, I was, I was a natural athlete. And uh, even though I was small, uh, you know, I could, I could play. And uh, I used to, you know, I could, I, could, I could play older guys in basketball and I could hold my own any, on any baseball diamond. And, uh, and then we, I was tough enough to go and hang in there with them from a football standpoint. So usually, yeah, they would, because uh, I always could, you know, give them that extra guy or make the teams even or, or whatever. Uh, and then I just had a lot of buddies. And so it was just competitive. I was around boys all the time and we were just competing all the time in everything in my house everything was a competition and whether it was meant to be or not it just turned into one how fast you can get up the stairs how fast you can get down how how fast you know so that's uh, how brothers are that's just how brothers are and that's just you know how i was raised and then you know my i think my dad was was loved sports he loved football and he kind of kept us around that all the time and then my mom was was such a fighter and you know with her background and you know with polio and scoliosis and spent most of her first 10 years in the children's hospital you know um, she was such a, a overcomer 
and, and instilled, I think, some of those qualities in me as well uh, of just, you know, taking what I got, making the best of it, competing with everything I got, uh, and believing that, that I was good enough. Where did it come in terms of the love and passion more for football? Yeah, that's an interesting story there because I, I played all three uh, my whole life, and I was I was a very um, I was a pretty I was a very gifted baseball player, and that was probably I played shortstop and pitcher my whole life, and uh, I was that was probably my most natural sport, um, but I didn't love it, you know I just played it because and I played because I like to play I like to compete, but I just didn't love it enough to work at it like I needed to. And I played all the way through high school and, and, uh, and had, a, had I mean, I was, a, I was a good player, but could have been a much better player if I had really had the passion for it. But I was passionate about basketball. I loved basketball. And I played basketball anytime I could, I could you know, find a, a rim and a hoop and whoever would play, okay. I played basketball. So that was my true love, if you will. And, uh, and then I really liked football. Now, I loved football as a fan, and, and, uh, but I really, I, I really liked it as a player. Uh, but, you know, football was hard, especially back in those days. I mean, it was hard, and, and I, I couldn't wait till basketball season. But I played, and I was a good, I was a good player, and, and that was, you know, I, I started both ways. And, and then I go to college, and, and I fig- once I figured out I could go to Alabama, on Pell Grants and student loans, I said, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm going to Alabama. That was just like my dream. Then I, once I decided that I, I wanted to play a sport, I literally contemplated which sport I was gonna go out for. And, uh, and I, I started learning, well, baseball doesn't give full scholarships. And I was like, yeah, man, darn. They don't get full scholarships <laughs> and that's gonna be a, it's a lot of work. Basketball, there's only five guys on the court. And man, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough for me. And then I'm like, okay, I love football, Alabama football. I got it. Just be a dream to be a part of Alabama football. And hey, they got I got they're gonna play a bunch of guys at receiver. And I know I was good enough if I put the work in. And they got special teams, so I've got a chance here to to make this team if I if I'm willing to put the work in. So that was really kind of. I said, all right, I'm going to give football a shot here. So is it more of, hey, there might be more chances more opportunity. in football. More opportunity. Now, did you have any opportunities to play at some other I did. colleges? I did. And- I did. I did. I had, I had uh, several small schools, uh, really, in all three sports uh, that had opportunities. I had several junior colleges uh, to, to go play basketball, um, have some baseball. Uh, I had uh, uh, the only real football opportunity that I had. I had, uh, I think, a chance to go down to uh, Sanford. Sanford wasn't a full program at the time. And then uh, there was a couple other schools. But I, I had this perception in my mind that if I went to a small school, I couldn't achieve my dreams that I had because I wanted to be a doctor. My, my goal in life was to be a pediatrician. And I, I felt How like... How early on was that in your life? My whole life. And I, 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 I was going to be my mom's doctor my whole life. Uh, and that's what I was going to do. And I felt like that if I went to North Alabama or one of these small schools, that, I, that for some reason it was just because I hadn't really, didn't really have a background of education in my family. So I just had this mindset, well, if I don't go to a big college, I'm not going to be able to achieve my ultimate goal here. And um, 
And so that was one of the main reasons I just wasn't I just wasn't interested in that. And I mean, I remember a couple of my coaches coming to me like, hey, look, you know, I don't want to waste these people's time. Are you interested? I'm like, no, nah, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to go to this junior college. I don't want to do that. I want, I'm, I'm going to Alabama, and I'm going to be a doctor. And uh, now, so, was, there a, was there a plan B if you don't get into Alabama, if these Pell Grants? Well, once I, once, I, once, I, once I had my grade, I mean, I was a very good student. I was an honor roll student, so I had the grades to go where I wanted to go. And then once I got my acceptance, I only applied to like two or three schools and got accepted into all of them. But, but once I got accepted in Alabama and my counselor told me that, because I didn't know how I was going to go to school, and and they're like, well, you can you Pell, there's this thing called a Pell Grant with your fi- family situation, you're probably going to qualify for that, and then you can get student loans. And I'm like, and then you know, I knew I was going to work on the side and all. I'm like, well, this is what I'm doing then. I'm going to Alabama, and uh, so it was a decision that was made. And I mean, now I'm like, nothing else mattered at that point. I'm going to Alabama, and I'm going to get my degree, and I'm going to be a doctor, and. And I'm going to figure it out from there. Um, and so I went to Alabama and, and I wasn't, so I, I didn't go out for the team right away. I, I was just trying to figure things out. And because I didn't know anything, I didn't know anything about college, nothing. Yeah. Had man. college been talked about in your family? I mean, was that something that was always a goal? Uh, yeah, it was in, a in goal. Family it was a goal, but I just didn't, you know, my brother, my oldest brother had gone to a little junior college for a year and a half. Um, and then my middle brother had, had gone to a college, but he, for a semester and it just wasn't something we did, you know, we just kind of, we went to work and, but for me, I, like I said, I was always a good student. I always had the goal of going to college and, and getting my education and being a doctor. And that was kind of just, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to make a better path here. And this is how I was going to do it. And I was convinced of that early in, in my life. And, um, now, were you convinced of that early in your life because of the situation that happens with your your dad and just, the struggles? Just yeah, after that? just just as I grew up, I just I just learned how important getting your education was. And you know, my mom would talk to me about even my dad. You know, I mean, like you know, because my dad didn't have those opportunities, he went straight to work uh, at uh, at a, at a, a steel place right out of high school. And then he just became a washer and dryer repairman. And he was just a tough guy. And then he eventually got his own washer and dryer place and appliance store. And, and that's what he did all the way to the day he died. Um, and uh, I just knew that if I got my college education, I was going to have a lot more opportunity. And I saw my friends, you know, and I, I knew who had college degrees and who didn't. And I, there was a difference. And uh, so I just knew that that was the path that I was going to have to go down if I really wanted to create change for my life and have a, a great future to be able to, you know, do what, achieve my goals. So that was really always my forefront of my decision making. And then once I got to Alabama, uh, then I was like, you know what, I, I'd never not been on a team. Yeah, so this is and new I, to I, you. I, I didn't know what to do. Okay. And so, and I remember going to the first couple games and I, I just was like, you know, I mean, I would be, I was, I was, get, I'd get there early before anybody because I wanted to watch the warm-ups. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't care about the game. I want to. I'm trying to evaluate here, and I remember telling my now wife, Kath, because she, she was sitting with me, and I, and I was like, I can do this, and I was miserable. You know, not competing, not being on a team, and she was like, Well, then you should go do it, and I'm like, You're right, I'm going to, and so I, you know, I. 
I think I'm going to march right over there and meet Bill Curry, and he's going to, you know, it didn't work that way. Uh, of course not. So I had, to, I, I had to go through, kind of go through the steps. Um, but so as much as Kathleen's saying, yes, go for it, do yep. it. How many people were telling you you can't do that? Oh, I had I had a lot of people telling me that. You know, I, did that I, motivate you? Yeah, motivated. Even my my own father was like, "Hey, listen, you know, you need to get a job. You need to go to work." You know, and I, and I'm and, and and he, you know, in the very beginning, he was he and he's regretful down the road, but he was like, you know, listen, you're not good enough for that. You need to go to work. You ain't gonna play football in Alabama. Well, yes, I am. Yeah. And it was just, you know, sometimes you need. You need a little fuel for that fire, and um, and I'm thankful for that motivation because um, it was a driving factor for me. To it was one of one of my whys. I wanted to I wanted to prove it, and does I wanted to make my dad proud. Does that still motivate you today to Absolutely. prove to people? Or? Absolutely, every day, every day, every day that I get up, every day I don't I don't I don't look at my you know always it's uncomfortable to me because then you know, I get I, a lot of people you know you hey you're one of only three or four guys that have won a national championship and, you know, they do this and that. And I, I, it's, I don't look at myself that way, you know, because first of all, I didn't do it. it it's, it's a result of team. Everything great in my life has been accomplished through team. Everything. My children, I have three great boys. It's accomplished through team. And not just me and their mom. The pastors that they've been around, the people who've sowed seeds in them, their teachers, you know, um, and I'm just kind of the, the, the caretaker of it. And, uh, and it's the same thing here. I've had a lot of players, a lot of people. Um, and, but I just I don't see myself as this, somebody's got all the answers or anything like that. Man, every day I'm seeking new victories. Every day I see myself when I look in the mirror as that same kid from Pelham, Alabama. You know, that, man, I got to go, I gotta go and, and, and be great at my job today. And my job is to is to build a great program, to love my players, to make a difference in their lives, to make a difference for my coaches, you know, to help them be successful. And that's just what I, that's how I think. So how was it then though, that you're at Alabama, you want to be a pediatrician, you make yeah. the football team, yeah. and then how did well, that shift that you're no longer, you're, yeah, that I we're was, calling I, you Coach Sweeney I, instead of Dr. Sweeney? I know, I was a pre-med major, biology major for three years. And uh, and did well. No, I mean I, I I did I did well. I just I had you know as you grow and you mature and you experience things, I just I realized it was a very tough thing for me because I felt like I was giving up this dream, but the dream was motivated by the wrong things, you know, because it's just like it says in the Bible. God tells us that if if we um, you know, if we will follow him, he will give you the desires of your heart. And so sometimes people will kind of misinterpret. And I'm like, well, because my eyes were, I was seeking God's guidance and wisdom. And what God does, you know, what you sometimes think are the desires of your heart. Well, if you're really seeking God, he will change the desires of your heart to be in alignment with what he's called you to do. And that's kind of what happened with me. And I felt like I was giving up on this dream, but I just, I, it, what, I didn't love it. And I, I, as I came more, you know, got further down the road, I'm like, God, I'm gonna have to go to school for 10 more years. I'm gonna have to pay for that. I wanna get <laughs> married. You know, I've been with Kath forever. We yeah. wanna get, I'm like, God, man, I, I, I'm gonna have to really rethink this here. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how, I'm, I'm already in debt. And I'm just like, man, I don't know if I can do this. And so, um, 
uh, I just kind of had this come to Jesus moment. And I mean, it was tough on me. And then at that point, this was my red shirt sophomore year, my third year, fall of 90. And I'm playing now. I had started playing. I'm in the rotation. I'm traveling. So I didn't have as much time. I was studying all the time. And I'd never studied. It just came natural to me. And now I'm having to spend. I just, I was hit a wall. And I just realized I needed a release somewhere. And it just, it just wasn't what I loved. And I knew I didn't want to do it. And I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I was thinking more about, man, the pediatrician's going to make good money, going to live a good life, going to this, going to that. And God changed all those desires for me. And so then, I, so then I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I look around, I look at the business school, and they had this hospital administration, healthcare management degree. And I'm like, that's it. I'm going to go run the hospital. The doctors are going to work for me. <laughs> and so I switched over to the business school and, you know, I'm a junior in these freshman classes, you know, cause I, I so it took me five years to graduate cause I lost all kind of hours. I graduated like 155 hours. I think you only need like 120. Uh, you can only count so You're many. You're an overachiever. You can only right? count so many like biologies or whatever. So, uh, but, so I switched in, I got my business degree and I felt, okay, this is great. I'm going to have a good career path in this. This is going to be good. I can see myself in healthcare was kind of changing then. And, and uh, so I stayed on that path and did really well and, and uh, eventually earned a scholarship. And, and then my, we won the national championship my senior year. That spring semester, all I was really doing, I think I had two classes and I was working at the DCH hospital doing an internship. And that was what I was going to do. I already accepted a job. I was going to, to Birmingham. I had a job. I was going to be managing doctors. We were going to buy doctors' practices and we, this company, and we were going to manage them. And I, I was going to be in charge of a couple of doctors. And it was going to be a really cool, cool deal. And Kath and I were going to get married. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, God steps in once again. You know, he, he once, again, once again, first time not on a team that spring. And so were you struggling again? I really wasn't. I, I, it was weird. But I was like, okay, well, this is kind of the next step for me. But I went out to practice and Woody McCorvey who's now my right-hand guy and, and was my position coach. And uh, he's like, you know, we're going to have a GA spot come open. And, man, I think you'd be great at that. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I, and I was sick of school. I didn't want to go to school no more. And then Coach Stallings is like, hey, I got a GA spot. You start in July. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> so now I got to go either tell Coach Stallings that, no, I'm not going to take your GA spot, or I'm going to tell these people I just took a job with that I'm not taking a job. You know which one I chose. Of and, course. Uh, so next thing I I'm, I'm, I'm a GA and um, got my MBA, got my degree, and, and uh, immediately upon being a grad assistant coach, it was like phew, clarity of what, what I was created to okay. do. And because uh, now I was able to take all those things I loved, which was in sports and competition and team and uh, the relationships, and uh, and combine it with all my life's experiences, and and I, I just I, all this knowledge I had now I felt like I could I could really use it, and so that's how I got into coaching. It was really just kind of my path being aligned by by God and putting the right people in my path along the way, and and I've never looked back. It's been an incredible journey. Twenty something years later, of course. And one of the things that you have all of these quotes, sayings, <laughs> you know, from, my dad for that. from I was going to ask yeah. you from control, the input all in the fun is in the winning. Yeah. I mean, who's your ghostwriter? <laughs> yeah, my dad. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, you know, my dad had that gift. 
You know, he just, he, he, I think just come to my head sometimes. And then I read a lot and, and then sometimes things will spark, convert, you know, different things, uh, different ways for me to think about something. But, you know, I just, I just try to just be who I am and, 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 and be in the moment. And that's uh, just my way of communicating. And yeah. it always has been. And like I said, that was my dad's same way. I mean, I, I can thank him for, for, I guess, some of that stuff. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you that I pick up on, when you run down the hill, you're intentional. Yes. When you hit yes. the bottom of that hill, yes. you sprint. Gone. So you're yes. gone. Yes. So <laughs> now you're getting close to 50 in age. <laughs> Are you getting worried about pulling a hammy in front of 80,000 fans? No, man. No, I don't. I, don't. And so, and I guess what's, what's the, yeah. what message are you trying to send? I just want to set the tempo. Yeah. You know? And I, and I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be casual about it. You know? I, I try to tell these guys everything we do needs to be with a sense of urgency. And let's be purposeful. And for me, you know, uh, if we're going to run down the hill, let's run down the hill, you know. And so that's just the way I look at it. And and I want to lead the way. And and as long as I can run, as fast as I can run. Another thing, I you know, I've never been able to experience what a four five forty was like. And so with a little momentum of the hill, I got you, well, I, get a, I get a little experience. You get it. So has anybody timed you? That's I the question. Know, I don't know, but you need I, to get uh, the ESPN sports science guys to time I try you. to run those people down. The, the the cheerleaders, they always have that that flag or whatever, and they, and I'm like, I got them again. You know, I try to run them down every That's time. That's Pass the tiger, and I got them again. And so. Uh, you know, that's just, but you know, I stretch and I work out and play basketball. Yeah. So I don't, I'm 47, but I don't think that way. I still okay. think like I'm, you know, 20 and that's just, it's probably, maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. But if I do, I'll just ice it up and, and get well, and go back to work. Get back at it. Get right? back at it. All right. So just wrapping everything up so we can finish up here, Coach Sweeney, just what has sports meant in your life? If you can sum yeah. it up in a few words. Oh man, sports has given me, uh, you know, family, uh, direction, structure. When I didn't have structure, uh, it's given me hope. Um, it's taught me how to uh, be a great teammate. It's taught me how to handle adversity, how to win and lose. It's taught me toughness. You know, sports have, have developed relationships that I still lean on to this day. It's opened doors for me that would have never been opened uh, and really just given me the tools I need to be successful in life. And that's what I love about sports and team uh, because it really does prepare you if you if you if you really will take the tools that are laying right there on the field or court or whatever it may be for you. Uh, And, you know, just sports exposes you your strengths, your weaknesses, and it makes you have to kind of figure things out, teaches you how to set goals. Uh, you have people from all different backgrounds, you know, now all of a sudden you have to you learn how to get along with different people. And, um, and it's, it's been, I mean, it's been an amazing experience for me and, I, and I'm, I'm one of the biggest advocates. I mean, there's good and there's bad, uh, but that's why the way we run, we run the program the way we do, because I, I really want to use the game as a, as a way to equip these guys with the tools they need for life. So, you know, and that's what I, that's what I try to do on a daily basis, um, because when they get out in life, they're going to have uh, good things, bad things, and, and 
through their experiences as an athlete, um, if they're intentional and purposeful about everything that they do, they'll be prepared. Now, last thing, I know there's a, you have a lot of words of wisdom. Can you just give us one catchphrase, piece of advice, your words of wisdom to oh, wrap man. things up? I always tell people, you know, if you know, everybody wants to know the secret sauce to being successful, you know, and for me, it's been very simple. Uh, number one, you put the, your eyes on the Lord in all that you do. Uh, just really starts right there. Because I, 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 if you don't have that in order, then I just don't think you're going to have the type of foundation that you need. And when you got your eyes on the Lord, you're going to have a peace that you can only explain when you've experienced that. Um, and then the second thing is, is you got to have, you got to believe. You got to have a belief in yourself, man. You got to believe in, in the Word of God. You got to believe in a future uh, that. Maybe because of your circumstances, it's hard to believe in. You got to believe in it anyway, and uh, and then you can't quit. You can't quit, you know, and because adversity is going to happen to you in your life, and um, you've got to let that adversity develop you into what God's creating you to be, as opposed to destroying you or defining you for the rest of your life. So, so that's that's kind of my fundamentals of life: put your eyes on the Lord, believe, and don't quit. Beautiful. Those are great words of wisdom. Coach Sweeney, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Well, it's hard to provide much commentary after that interview. You know, life is very complicated, and many people spend their entire life trying to figure out the meaning of life, and oftentimes they just lose sight of what's really important. And it's obvious, though, that Dabo Sweeney is not one of those people. I mean, it's fascinating to me how some people can have a vision that no one else really sees or their vision is clouded. But when you spend time with that person and then before you know it, right before your eyes, something happens and you start to believe in whatever it is as well. And that's what's happening at Clemson. And us as humans, we have this ability to only focus on the end result, and that's where we spend all of our time. And I don't care who you are, that's just what happens. But some of the great people that can push that temptation to the side and view things in a different manner where they can focus on the foundation and not the results, those are the individuals and the leaders that create healthy cultures. And how true is this in sports? You know, it's always about the wins and losses. But is that really what your main focus should be? Now, of course, I know you can't reach a goal if you don't have some type of target, something that you're shooting for. And in sports, we know the bottom line, the target is wins. That's what fans want. That's what the players want. That's what the coaches want. And that's the target. I get that. But just as in business, we know it's about revenue, sales, and profits, and that's, again, how things are judged, and it's by the results. But I think Dabo has a God-given gift, and other leaders have this as well, so he's not the only one, but it's they have this ability to focus on the foundation and the components necessary of building great men and building great individuals. From there, a successful team with a healthy culture— is eventually created. And then you know what happens? The wins, the sales, the profits, whatever it might be, 
becomes secondary or a byproduct, and I truly believe that's what you're seeing at Clemson right now. Now, Dabo's created such a healthy culture that they can't help but win. Now, I know they're not going to win every game. That's just the reality of life. But his culture puts them in position to win repeatedly and be in the position to have success. And now here's Kirk Herbstreet talking about the Clemson program from what he saw during a game against Louisville a few weeks ago this season after a particular play. Four times they've knocked the quarterback down, and there's Christian Wilkins, the ringleader of that front four, over there celebrating and enjoying one of his backups making a play. I love to see the starters excited from Clemson when they're backups. See that? Man, that is a sign of a healthy culture right there when the starters are the first ones to come out onto the field to tell the young guys that don't get a lot of reps they love on them like that and i love that i would have to say that often i've questioned how has Dabo been able to do this and then slowly the pieces of the puzzle began to come together as time has gone by and i've been able to watch the growth of this program And then after spending time with Dabo, the picture was very clear and evident that he's focusing on one thing, and that's what we talked about earlier, that's building great men and great individuals instead of focusing on the end result, which obviously we know is wins. Now, that is so empowering to me. I know for me, when I started this podcast, I wanted to be able to have people share why sports was so important to them and also how sports shaped and impacted their lives. And that's really all it was because I knew that sports impacted my life in a certain manner and I knew I couldn't be the only one. And I wanted individuals to be able to share that so we could understand similarities that we might have. You know, I didn't have any expectations at all. I just wanted to help share stories. And before you know it, though, I get caught in that trap. I'm finding myself worrying about how many downloads are happening, how many visits to our website, how many followers. You know, I'm asking people to rate and review on iTunes so the podcast would be in the new and noteworthy section. And you know what? I was completely missing the whole purpose And I'm embarrassed now that I was asking people to go and rate and review. Here's what I know. If you feel moved from an interview or someone's story and it compels you to share your feelings, whether good or bad, it's happening because of what's inside you, not from me asking you for something. So I apologize for asking people to rate and review. That's on me. And, you know, after spending time with Dabo, it helped me realize that I should be focusing on the content. And that's not just podcast content. That's the content within me as well. And so I'm very blessed to have spent time with Coach Sweeney. And I definitely came out of my time with him smarter and even a little bit more wise. So speaking of wisdom, let's finish this episode with a weekly words of wisdom. Keeping encouragement and motivation rich. Keeping encouragement and motivation rich. Let's explore the weekly words of wisdom. Our words of wisdom this episode really brings things back full circle. And that's about focusing on the fundamentals that matter and how important it is not to get caught up and only worrying about the end result. Now, this quote is from an author that is unknown. However, I would suspect that this is a very wise person, or at least they're showing a great perspective and vantage point with these words. 
And the quote is, When you stop chasing the wrong things, you give the right things a chance to catch you. Now, we've already talked about how this seems to be so true for Coach Sweeney, and I know this probably just puts a bow on the package, so to speak. But again, just look at the results at Clemson. And I'm not talking about the W's. We know what the W's are, and those are just secondary. Now, the football team at Clemson has a healthy culture and a winning attitude because Coach Sweeney is focusing on building great men and great individuals and allowing the right things to catch up to them. Now that finishes up episode 31. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Thanks for listening. 